So we're on the main show, right? The flagship show. So you're going to need more Malcolm, right? <laughs> ah, yeah. Welcome to the Fields of Fantasy podcast, hosted by Pestle and Ed. And welcome to the brand new Fields of Fancy weekly fantasy show, TH Fancy Football, Pestle and Ed with you. We have the keys to the castle, Ed. I know, it's exciting, uh, nerve-wracking, but it's great to be on the main show. Fantasy football is our love. We were rubbish at betting. Let's we were be rubbish at betting. Let's be honest. So I think our skill set is more suited to the main show. But we like to keep ourselves grounded, so we brought some betting with us. Yes, there's a, there's a little feature. We, you know, we, we don't want uh, Sunday Night Bet Club to disappear completely. So this is the new Fields of Fantasy Weekly Fantasy Show. We are here to give you your week one preview. It's not going to be a full representation of the fantasy show, because obviously an important part of fantasy is looking back on what went wrong or what went right but we're going to give you a preview to week one. We've got a few guests joining us as well remotely for talking about their My Guys for the 2023 season. We've got some starts and sits. We've got a few new features, few features we've brought over with us. But yeah, it's going to be exciting, isn't it, Ed? It's just genuinely exciting to be talking about football that is happening this week. Yes. I can't quite believe that it, it is a long off-season, but I think because we kept our almost heads in the game over the off-season, it's come round really quickly. I must say, I absolutely adore fancy football, but it's been quite nice this week not to be checking sleep at every <laughs> half an hour to make sure I'm not on the clock somewhere. True, true. Our rundown of the Fields Fantasy shows then. This is your weekly fantasy show that will be dropping every Wednesday morning. On a Friday, we'll be back with you with Fancy 5, which those of you familiar to our product, we know is our 10-minute fancy food for thought. Just a little quick bit of a dip in for a few key pointers for the weekend. And then very exciting on Saturday, the DFS show is back with Johnny B, Dowie and Riku. As we look to continue to build DFS within our fantasy football community. And we'd also like you all to obviously get involved with the DraftKings weekly competition as well. To win some cash money and make sure that does not go back into Dowie's pocket. Because it's, it's annoying just how good at DFS that man is. I know. I, I think I won once last year. And uh, yeah, I, I basically, it's great. It's great. You can fund You can fund uh, whatever you want to fund. Well, my next week's DraftKings. Yes. And then yes. lose it all again. Yes, yes. Most exciting though, we have lots, lots more Malcolm for you. So without further ado, shall we get into, are you excited, Ed? Week one NFL fantasy football. Seats of the week. Looking then at our sits of the week. Firstly, we'll have our injury report. Few players that we need to be watching at this point. So at the time of recording, a few question marks over a few players. So for the Broncos, Jerry Judy, we know he's out. He's going to be out for a few weeks. So you may want to pivot away there if you have spent a bit of draft capital on Jerry Judy. Um, Colts, who knows? Who knows what is happening in the Colts running back room? But currently, Zach Moss has also been spotted at the training facility, but with a brace on that injured arm. So he will likely be questionable. Chiefs, Kadarius Tony, big things predicted for Kadarius Tony at the start of the offseason, weren't there? Yeah, he's kind of, it's dark. I think there's so much buzz early on, but it's gone very quiet. I did look back at his fancy numbers for the end of last season, and they weren't as good as I thought they were after watching Quarterback, where he seemed to be a human highlight reel for parts of that show, didn't he? He did, yeah. The great series. I enjoyed that. We watched that, watched that in Spain, didn't we? We did. It was lovely, it was lovely. lovely yeah. Jets, Brees Hall is probable. Brees Hall will probably be involved far sooner than we expected him to. And I'm going to copy and paste this for Javante Williams as well. But He's coming back from a big injury. Yeah, be cautious, I think, is the, the main thing there. 
with what you're doing with your running backs that are just coming back off those injuries. Because they've got Dalvin Cook, they've got Abinacanda. Is he Abinacanda? That that one. That one. I think I've got that right. It sounded confident. So so they've got people that can that can play instead of him. So I think they will ease him back. I don't think his workload is going to be much week one. Do you? I don't think I'm. I don't think it's a hot take to say that potentially the Jets might be a little bit pass heavy this season as well. Yeah, true. Commanders, Terry McLaurin is questionable as well. Once again, someone who big things were predicted for can only be good for uh, one of my breakout candidates, Jahan Dotson, though, potentially. And a player that I drafted quite a lot, and I think you were semi-critical of how high I was on this player, and it's all come back to bite me because the ageing wide receiver with a hamstring injury, Cooper Cup, <laughs> is questionable for week one. Um, I've, we... seen it, I've seen his draft... ADP rise over the offseason. I mean, he's all. I've seen him go ahead of Chase and Jefferson in some leagues. I mean, that's bonkers. But, yeah. But but yeah, I, 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 the question mark I always had was fitness with him. When we talk about our starts and sits, then as a general rule of thumb, week one, if you've drafted them with some of your higher picks, say round one to five, maybe six, you start them. The only exception for that is injuries. Now, Cooper Cup, if he is suiting up at the weekend you're most likely going to start him. He is worth that gamble. Cooper Cup playing for a quarter is probably going to be more reliable than Van Jefferson playing for the full game. True. But temper your expectations. At the same time, look at some of those other options you may want to invest in if you want to get the edge over the Cooper Cup owner or if you have Cooper Cup and you want to have yourself that backup if you've not got that depth already. So looking at our sits of the week then, I've got Jets running back, Bruce Hall, I've already said, he may be slow to hit that value. So I would wait to see how that shapes up. I think getting towards the end of the season, you, it's going to be a clear start every single week. But at the moment, he's probably going, what, around round three, four at the latest in drafts. You may want to build that injury projection into what you're thinking. Eagles running backs. I want to see what's happening there with Swift and Rashad Penny. Gamewell appears to be the RB1 as well. So who knows? I've been far more confident starting Kenneth Gainwell, who I spent a very late pick on as a flex spot, than Swift or Penny, who are going a little bit higher, just because I feel that Gainwell's a little bit more clear-cut at the minute. I'd really struggle to put them in an order at the moment. I think you could literally throw them up and see what happens, because who is one, two, three, and you're exactly right. It will take a couple of weeks for it to come out in the wash. What you kind of touched on there as well is we don't actually know anything yet. We know what happened last season, and the same reason if you don't draft last season's best team, we do need to see how a few things shake out. There are obviously going to be some guaranteed star players in there, but there's also some situations we need to watch how they develop over the season. And then someone I drafted quite a bit on and got out of value, fortunately got him in that flex region, but Marquise Hollywood-Brown at the Cardinals as well, that QB situation is mm. concerning. <laughs> I mean, Cardinals, I was look, for the Sunday Night Bet Club, one of the bets I was looking at was for a team to go 0-17. Uh, and yeah. the Cardinals, well, at the moment, look nailed on for 0-17. I mean, what a mess. It's, they look to be gearing up for tanking, don't they? Yeah. Um, I can't imagine Kyler Murray is going to be rushed back at all. No. There is no point. And also the commander's defence, I think might be a bit feisty this season as well. So Hollywood is one that he may have value later in the season. I'm not confident starting week one if I've got better options. Anyone you're looking at as sits? Yeah, just another one to add into the mix is, is Jamal Williams. And now he's somebody that you might be tempted to plug in. He's probably someone sat on your bench but and you're thinking, well, Elvin Kamara suspended. Jamal Williams is going to get um, an increased workload, which I'm sure he will. 
But the reason I temper your expectations this week is because he's up against the Tennessee Titans defense. They were an elite defense uh, against the run and also the pass. Uh, you know, got the likes of Jeffrey Simmons. They've got some big names on that defense. And I think Jamal Williams will struggle against them. So I think he will get an increased workload. He'll get more snaps. But I, I would temper your expectations with him this week. My bolder sit of the week, and I think probably is is my sit for the first two or three weeks as well. And that's someone who's a lot of people are very, very high on, especially after a couple of good preseason appearances. And that's Anthony Richardson. So I think if you've drafted Anthony Richardson, certainly I've not drafted him anywhere in redraft. He went a little bit too high for me. But if I had drafted him, he would likely have been drafted later. So I would likely have a QB2 if my bench allowed in redraft. Will he start slow? I mean, Hurts took a while. Jackson didn't hit points-wise in his first few starts. Allen was very inconsistent at the start of his career. Or will he be Cam Newton-style rookie? Will he hit the ground running, literally? Will he be phenomenal for fancy from the get-go? I would personally wait and see. And there's a couple of players I want to talk about in my starts of the week where I would possibly pivot to quarterback-wise. And players, personally, I would have taken as backup and insurance policies if I drafted Anthony Richardson. Agreed. I'd say that the likes of Cam Newton are the exception rather than the rule. Normally, yeah. quarterbacks take a bit of a bit of a while, especially, I mean, not, not all quarterbacks start game one. It's only a more recent phenomenon, really, yeah. in the NFL, isn't it? So, But but most of them take that while to, to adjust. So, yeah, I agree with Richardson. And I'm sure there are some people listening now who are going, absolutely not, the boy's going to be a star. I wouldn't dispute that as a viewpoint. I would more than happily be proven wrong on that. But I say there are other players I'd be more confident giving me good value uh, week one, two, three, possibly. Next up then, let's be more positive about some of our outlooks for the week. Starts of the week. First up, I'm going with a player that I've drafted where I have the opportunity to, and that is Khalil Herbert, the Bears running back. At the Packers, who aren't the best against the run, and once again, if Jordan Love isn't what he's going to be hyped up to be, Bears could find themselves on offense quite a bit and might want to be running the ball quite a bit. Similar situation for J.K. Dobbins as well. At the Texans, expect the Ravens to be on offense a lot against the Texans. And Dobbins, I think he's going to be in the, the passing game a lot more this season. I think this is the sort of game we could potentially slate in for three or four uh, receptions and then a lot of running if they're trying to slow the game down later as well. And... He needs to prove himself this season. He's made a little bit of fuss. It seems in a professional way behind the scenes, but I think really? he's about to prove himself. D-Hop, I think, is a cheeky little start this week. Once again, you've, if you've got DeAndre Hopkins, you can have probably draft him as a wide receiver three, maybe four. At the Saints, who he absolutely lit up last year for the Cardinals for 33.9 points. So he's got previous against that defense. Tyler Higby is one of my players as well for potentially a bit of a pivot if you have Cooper Cup. He's someone I got a lot as a security tight end in best ball and someone that I think is going to be a fairly steady tight end option this year. The Seahawks weren't great in coverage against tight ends last season. Last season, I know, but that's what we've got to go on so far. And if Cup's out, those targets got to go somewhere. Van Jefferson's someone I did draft a lot later, but I think I'd be more confident in Higby's workload going up than Van Jefferson being a really usable wide receiver. Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced by Van Jefferson. Who are you looking at for your starts? Yeah, I, I, I suppose I was thinking of one, but then I kind of thought of them as a collective, and that's the Packers wide receivers. So I'm thinking Christian Watson predominantly, but also Romeo Dobbs as well. 
They're against the Bears. They're at the Bears, whose defence last, last year was shocking, to say the least. Again, they've made upgrades. I don't think they're significant enough to make a huge difference. Uh, Watson really lit up the last meeting between the Packers and the Bears. He made some big plays. Yes, Jordan Love is an unknown factor to an extent, but I still expect Watson to be heavily involved and get at least a touchdown. So, so yeah, just um, if you've got Dobbs or Watson languishing on your bench, then I, I'd, I'd plug them in this week. Speaking of plugging in, two players that would be in my reckon if this were a fancy five show for plug and play QBs this week and looking at those potential pivots away from someone like Richardson. Two players we spoke about a fair bit. That is Mr. Kirk Cousins, who's at Tampa Bay this week. High volume passer against the Tampa defense, who tend to do quite well against the run. And then also Geno Smith at the Rams. I don't fancy the Rams defense this year. I'm not sold on what they're going to be doing offensively as well. So Gino could pop in week one. I think this is a good occasion to say to go for maybe a safer floor with a player like Gino or Cousins than take the gamble on someone like Richardson. Am I being too cautious? No, I don't think so. I think you're being sensible, Mark. I am a sensible soldier. Next up, something new, Ed. We've got a nice new podcast. We've got a nice new shiny logo for the whole of Fields of Fantasy. Would you like to hear from our new sponsors? I am genuinely on the edge of my seat. Malcolm, do a plug for us. Fantasy football is all about collecting the best roster of players. So why not assemble your roster at home with some help from Stateside Sports? With over 30 sports trading card products in stock right now, Stateside Sports is the best place to grab the latest releases in sports trading cards. Collect autographs of your favorite stars, rookie cards of the hottest prospects, and rare super short print cards to make your collection as unique as your fantasy team. Start your search the best way possible. Visit statesidesports.co.uk now. Thank you very much, Malcolm, and thank you very much to the boys at Stateside Sports. I must say, as far as a sponsorship arrangement goes, the cash flows entirely our, from us towards them. They facilitate I've, not, I've not seen a penny of this sponsorship money. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely not been keeping it. Uh, they definitely facilitate our sports trading card habits. The boys over at Stateside, Liam, Tony and Dylan, we really appreciate how much they support the podcast, letting us plug it over there as well. And also, that's where we run our Stateside tiered league system as well for fantasy football. So massive thanks to the boys and we are glad to have you on board as our sponsors. And Malcolm, beautiful job there. It made me want to log on to statesidesports.co.uk. We're going to stick with Stateside Sports, though, as we move on to another new feature, which is... Fantasy Basics. Now, Fantasy Basics, this is where we open the open the mail mailbag. Do mailbags exist? It's a digital mailbag. The sort of thing on a podcast people would refer to as a mailbag. Basically, us wanting to have questions from the fantasy community things that you might not have the opportunity to ask, the sorts of questions that pop up mid-draft or at the start of a league that we've seen quite a lot over the summer. And this week's question comes from a Mr. Liam Stokes. I, I Liam do it? Stokes of Liverpool. Should I do it in the, the accent? No, he'll get crossed. He'll get crossed. Liam's question. Where have all the QBs gone? Why, in a Superflex, do all the QBs go off the board so early? What's the benefit? Liam, long-time listener, First time caller, big time baller. <laughs> did, you, did you add that in? No, uh, Tony put that in as a reply. <laughs> I mean, looking at Superflex, those of you who aren't sure what Superflex is, Superflex is where you have an extra flex spot that you can use quarterbacks in. And as a general rule of thumb, 
you can have two quarterbacks in your lineup. You want two quarterbacks in your lineup. They score the most points. However, the tiers for quarterbacks, especially from the top couple of tiers to the rest of the pool, there's quite a sharp drop off. So the advantage of getting one of those top quarterbacks is quite possible. That's why you see players like Allen, Mahomes, Hurts going off the board in the first couple of rounds. My general rule of thumb is, ideally, I want a quarterback from one of the top two tiers. I see them, and I see that as Tier 1, Alan Mahomes, Hurts, Tier 2, Jackson Borough, Herbert Fields. I'd like one of those quarterbacks, ideally. In round one, I take any of those. If they've all gone by the time we get towards the end of round one, I'm taking one of the top tier wide receivers or running backs at that point, and I'll wait to see what happens next round. You're not far on the turn then, so chances are you're going to have a fair option. Now, when you get to tier three and four, the drop-off in points isn't quite so significant. So last year, and I had a very good discussion with somebody on a fantasy football group on Facebook about mm-hmm. their inability to do maths the other day about this. Just because they didn't agree with it, they told me the maths was wrong, so I educated them how maths works. But <laughs> it was a lovely debate. Patrick Mahomes last year... like much of a debate. <laughs> no, honest, no I just gave him the maths. <laughs> but last year, Patrick Mahomes scored 38% more points in first place than Geno Smith in fifth place. The drop-off after that is a lot more gradual. So in tier three, I've got Jones, Danny Dimes, Watson and Lawrence. Tier four, Geno, Dat Prescott. I want one of these QBs. If I've not got a quarterback by the end of my tier four, my draft's probably gone wrong by that point. If I get a tier one or two quarterback, one of those I mentioned in round one, I'm waiting till much later on for my second QB and I'm going to stock up on wide receivers or running backs. If I get a tier three or four quarterback, I'm going to pull the trigger on my QB two much more quickly. Chances are, if I've got a tier three or four, I've already got an elite wide receiver or running back on my roster. So at that point, I'll try to look quite quickly to getting tier five, Richardson, Tua Cousins, or tier six, Wilson, Rogers, Goff. Now, this is just how I like to go about it. This is not the only way. There are lots more tactics. I mean, anyone else could get injured and it screwed my whole team anyway. That's how I like to go about it. But in my opinion, and I think we agree on some of this. No, I agree with what you're about to say, definitely. Taking three quarterbacks in round one to three damages your roster and it will damage your wide receiver and running back depth. There is no point spending round three collateral on someone to sit on your bench. It makes no sense to me. Drafting to trade never works. If you draft to to trade someone or to obstruct someone, firstly, you're going to annoy everyone and they don't want to trade you anyway. And also, they're only going to trade for someone who was of like value anyway. They're not going to, oh, yeah, have my round two or one pick now because of this quarterback you've pinched ahead of me. They saw more value to take those players in the first place. Why would they trade them away? Drafting to block others as well, say, it's just going to annoy people and damage your roster. In my opinion, where do you stand on your tactic of drafting quarterbacks? I agree. I've seen some bizarre things happen in Superflex. People taking, for example, the likes of Gino Prescott when when JJ sat there. And it's just absolutely bonkers. Yes, you do need a quarterback, a fairly strong quarterback. And I agree with your tiers. And I think you ideally want someone, you're essentially saying from those top four tiers, ideally a a top one, but you might, you'd settle for the likes of Jones uh, and Watson. But yeah, when you see people drafting quarterbacks at such an early stage and, and spending all their early picks, they can only fill two spots. One's going to sit on the bench. So, yeah, I, I think I, I don't often say this, but I'm com- in complete agreement. Oh, fantastic. With you, also, when we had Tom Strachan on, when he spoke about in best ball, not bothering to draft up your backup quarterbacks, just gamble that the players you picked are going to hit. 
I've done that a little bit more in redraft as well. So and Superflex. I'll take I'll take two quarterbacks I'm happy with. Chances are by the bye weeks, a quarterback's got injured and I'll be active on the waiver wire and try to pick someone up. Or I'll just ride those two weeks out. You don't need to win every week to get into the playoffs. And by the time you get to the playoffs, there are no bye weeks anyway. So uh, that's where I, do you know, if there's value on there, yes, I'm going to take a third quarterback, but I'm not worried if I don't get that. Very mature approach. I am, once again, <laughs> very sensible. So that was our question from Mr. Liam Stokes. And remember, send those questions in to us. Where can they send them, Malcolm? TH underscore fantasy underscore NFL on all social media platforms. And also remember, if you're thinking, should I ask this question? Malcolm, what is the motto we live by? There ain't no such thing as a stupid question. A good point. Well made, Mr. Malcolm. Next then, a brand new feature, but also a feature that is a one-off for this show, but we will revisit at the end of the season, and a feature that we are very lucky and privileged to have lots of really good guests that have joined us for as well, and that is... He's my guy. So a staple of the fantasy football and terminology we hear a lot is someone who is my guy, that player that you draft at all. All, not at all cost, someone you see as a good value, so happy to draft at that cost. Somebody that if they hit, you are having a mega season across all of your leagues. A player that you have maybe hyped at where others may slightly question. A player that you are 100% confident has got it all and is going to do, have a fantastic season and help you win championships. And that is when we refer to my guys. Yeah, I think... I, I love the feature, but it's the, it's the American phraseology that I'm a bit uncomfortable with because I, I can't say my guy without... Mm. I, I, don't, I don't think I pull off my guy very well. No, I think it's probably because you're not a 14-year-old roadman. True, true. Um, if you were, <laughs> yeah. if he had some black Air Force on and a Hoodrich jacket, you would look the part and sound the part. No, it is that proper Americanism, isn't it? But... I mean, the NFL is quite American. That is very true. <laughs> <laughs> so first up, we have Murph from the Five Yard Rush podcast. Over to you, Murph. Hey there, this is uh, Murph from the Five Yard Rush podcast. Happy to talk about my guy this season. My guy this season, bit of a homer pick, but I just think he's so severely undervalued right now. Uh, and that guy is Chris Godwin. Now, Chris Godwin is going off the board probably around about sixth round pick at the moment, sometimes in the late fifth, but he is going really, really late in drafts considering what he's able to do. This is a guy who was a former wide receiver three. And in terms of what he's capable of, you're looking at the Tampa Bay offense and listen, massive QB downgrade this year, but a massive offensive coordinator upgrade. Uh, Byron Leftwich uh, didn't really have a clue what he was doing, running the same amount of plays all the time, really. Um, always sort of running on first down. The Buccaneers ran the most on first down, which also led them to having the worst rush success rate in the NFL last season because it was so predictable by design play. I think with Dave Canellas coming in, you're going to see a very, very different offense. More aerial attack, um, more sort of QB movement as well. So when it comes to Godwin, especially with the fact that Russell Gage has gone down and he's out for the season... If you're looking at the other guys on the roster, there isn't really that many guys that are going to operate in that sort of short to uh, intermediate uh, phase of the field. So Kate Alton will get a touch of an increase uh, as the tight end, but Godwin's going to see a lot more targets. Uh, I've got Godwin down for 130 targets. I've got him down uh, for a tad over 90 receptions, 92 receptions, and I've got him going for just under 1,000 yards at 987. So you're talking about a guy who's looking at 1,000 yards, roughly, and 92 catches. 
So in PPR formats, he's going to be highly valuable and he's going in the sixth round in ADP. Touchdowns is going to be a bit of an issue. He's not going to score a load. I've got him down for five this year. It's not a huge amount of touchdowns, uh, but do think he's going to uh, be really consistent, very solid floor. Uh, I have him going uh, sort of in that mid wide receiver two range and you're paying wide receiver 32, wide receiver 33 price at the moment on him. So just seems to be excellent value. So uh, for me, he's definitely my guy. He's the guy I'm picking up in almost all of my drafts because I just think the value is too great. And with that safe floor, especially if you're reaching for high upside players early or even late on to have a really solid wide receiver two there in Chris Godwin and getting him at wide receiver three or even wide receiver four uh, on your rosters and drafts. It's just amazing value and uh, one that's going to pay off big time. So uh, watch out for Chris Godwin this year and make sure you draft him in as many as you draft as possible. Now, we spoke about the books, didn't we? It was our last of the deep dive shows. And listening back to it, we were quite harsh on Evans and Godwin. We were. It's quite scathing, yeah. But I think that's because of what they'd been hoped to be and what they could be with a, a proper quarterback, I think. But the key thing we've said is that value, isn't it? We spoke a few times in the off season about you don't you're not drafting wide receiver ones across the whole thing. You're drafting depth for your squad, and Godwin's good value there, isn't he? Yeah, most convinced me. I think uh, I'm, I'm regretting not picking up Godwin. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's a, a good option there, and someone who could be solid and does have the potential to give you those upside weeks. Well, I think doesn't he? Yeah, he's a quality player, Godwin, and the stats that Murph projected, I think, are pretty spot on. Next up, someone who is bordering on friend of the show levels now. His second appearance on the show. Three times, do you have to be a friend of the show? I think we should set that benchmark, correct. To be fair, he's given us an absolute boatload of shares on social media. So I'm going to put out there, Rich, friend of the show from Dynasty Island with his My Guy. Up you go, Rich. My Guy for 2023. He was the wide receiver eight in 2021. Last year, he finished as the wide receiver 28 overall. That was despite being eighth in targets. It was because he had zero touchdowns. If we'd give him his career touchdown rate of 7.8%, he'd have finished as the wide receiver 19. And that was with the rookie quarterback under centre. Yes, of course, I'm talking about Deontay Johnson. I'm expecting him to take a step forward and regress to the mean in terms of that touchdown numbers. But this whole offense is going to take a step forward in year two with Kenny Pickett under center. He is currently the wide receiver 33 in ADP. You can get him cheaper than where he finished last year. And that's despite us expecting to take a step forward. He is going to be top 10 in targets again this year. And he's got top five upside yet you can draft them as your wide receiver three. An absolute steal. I'm 100% my guy for 2023. Yeah, I, I, I buy into it. I don't like Deontay Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Rich makes a good case. I, I, I would not. Is it because he's a stealer? Probably. Probably that's a yeah. big part of it. And uh, I, I don't tend to draft stealers. The only stealer that I... I picked up in a few places is Pat Freemu. Yep, same uh, here. And but the rest I try and steer clear of. And I think that is purely for being a Bengals fan. So it's those biases that potentially derail us, isn't it? Yeah, agree. We throw stats and data out the window because we just don't like someone. <laughs> yeah. That positive regression is a key thing though with those touchdowns. He will not have no touchdowns by the end of the season. No. I'd like I'd be happy if oh, he did. Absolutely <laughs> and yeah that positive regression is a term we hear quite a lot. Regression, we're always thinking about things going down, but that positive regression doesn't mean you're going to progress and make a leap. It means you will return to the baseline you have previously set. So, yeah, 
everything he's saying there is logical. And to be fair, Johnson, I have not drafted a lot of, but it's probably been a steal for people that have taken him where he's going. Next up, we have Matt FF Dynasty. Hey everyone, this is Matt FF Dynasty, and my guy for the upcoming 2023 fantasy football season is none other than J.K. Dobbins running back for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, Dobbins is a guy that I loved as a prospect going back to 2020 when he was selected in the NFL draft. Didn't get a starting opportunity until after the Ravens' bye week, but from week 9 until the end of the season, he was the RB9 over those stretch of games, showing the talent that he has. Then sadly suffered a knee injury ACL tear for the 2021 season, missed all that year, came back last year but didn't look 100% but we do know it takes time to come back from those ACL tears for running backs and, and to get back to 100% so I'm not too worried about that and I feel like this is going to be the year we see JK Dobbins back to a 100% healthy. And then obviously coming into a, a new look offence, moving on from former offensive coordinator Greg Roman, bringing in Todd Munkin. As I say, new offense for, for J.K. Dobbins. Lamar Jackson's now being paid. He's got the license to throw the ball much more in this offense. They've brought in more weapons, guys like Zay Flowers during the NFL draft. Odell Beckham coming in as well. They've obviously got the stud in Mark Andrews from, from previous years. That's just going to create so many opportunities for, for J.K. Dobbins in the running game. Defense is already have to worry about Lamar Jackson and his legs. They've now got the added worry of his arm as well and throwing the ball much more. That's just going to create so much opportunity for J.K. Dobbins. And I feel like he's such a great value right now in redraft, looking at his current ADP, going around that RB20 range. I'd be shocked if he doesn't outperform that ADP and quite comfortably as well. I think he's a lock for at least the top 15, if not a top 10 running back for this upcoming season with that expectation of added receiving work to an already strong running game that J.K. Dobbins possesses. He's a smash for me right now at ADP, both in redraft and dynasty, currently going around that same mark RB18 in terms of dynasty. He's a guy you want to get right now before that value spikes because 2023 is going to be a huge season for J.K. Dobbins. Now, obviously, a, a very intelligent man there predicting J.K. Dobbins <laughs> for a fantastic season. Everything saying there, actually, the one thing I would add in is I genuinely think we're going to see a lot more from J.K. in the receiving game as well. Um, and what he says is right. It's similar to what we were saying about how the amount of passing, the expectation of passing, I think we said this early in the season, opens up Lamar for more off-the-cuff runs because people will be looking elsewhere. That's the same for JK, isn't it? The fact that people have got more than just the run game to watch now when they're defending against the Ravens. Yeah, JK Dobbins is an incredibly talented back. And I think he's proved that it's just he just needs to have a healthy season. And if he does that, I can't see him not being a top 10 running back, to be honest. No. Now, he will be good values. He's someone that I have paired where I've gone later for QBs. I've tried to get a bit of Sanders and J.K. Dobbins together. I think they could be a really good pair of running backs to have on your roster. Now, so we're keeping this in-house for our next guest. Would you like to hear from Johnny B? I would love to hear from Johnny that B. That sounded sincere. <laughs> Johnny B, over to you. How's it going, everybody? It is your boy, Johnny B, and this is my guy for Fantasy Redraft 2023. And yes, I'm going to go for a rookie, and I'm going to go for Quentin Johnston. He is my guy. I've got more shares in him than anyone else in Fantasy this year in Redraft, just because I love where he's falling. He's falling around wide receiver 43 with the likes of Zay Flowers, Kadarius Tony. Brandon Cooks, Gabe Davis, Traylon Burks, Juju. You're looking, you know, at ADP of 100, which is pretty much the ninth round. So I just think he's incredible value for where he is because I think he could really overperform that. And I know that wide receivers normally perform better in their second year than their first year. 
But actually, I think this first year could be really good for him. I think Mike Williams is definitely going to fade. That's why they've brought him in, because Mike Williams is not getting the job done. He's only ever had one top 10 performance. The rest of the time, he has failed to beat wide receiver 24, with three of those outside the top 30. So his six years haven't been that great, and he hasn't showed huge steps to keep moving forward consistently. I'm fading him, and I think everybody should fade him, and they should pick Quentin Johnston, because he has the capability of all the wide receivers in that area to overperform, and in it's more the latter half of the season where he really seems to bed in and come through. If he gets consistent performances like Amon Ra got in his rookie year, he could get into that area wherever you have him, he could be a league winner. So watch this space, Quentin Johnson, he's my guy, 2023. Make sure you pick him or you'll be regretting it. Cheers. Back to Pestle. Thank you very much, Mr. B. I don't think I agree with Johnny B on that one, though. That's one I don't necessarily completely agree on because I, I'm, I'm a little bit higher on Mike Williams, I think, as far as being the wide receiver to at least for the significant start of the season. And I think Keenan Allen's going to have a big season as well this year. I suppose, though, Quentin Johnson, you're drafting him late enough that you can take that gamble, aren't you, though? Yeah, I think he's... Uh, I agree, Dynasty, great pickup, Johnston, uh, in redraft. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I think he's he's very talented. He was someone we looked at in, in in our earlier shows when we before the draft, and he was someone that stood out there. And, and it's a great landing spot for him uh, with a great quarterback. But, but yeah, I'm not entirely convinced he's going to put up the numbers for you this season. At the same time, though, I could see it because we've seen over the last few years often the wide receiver that has the big rookie breakout isn't the one we're necessarily expecting. Justin Jefferson, it was that was the year of C.D. Lamb was the big name coming out, wasn't it? Garrett Wilson, slow burner, and then really kind of took a hold of that. So I certainly could see it, and you say the quarterback is the key factor as well. But yeah, I think that's a bold one that Johnny B will look very, very clever if that comes off, I think. Well, yeah, he's right, but he's right to link it to Amon Ra. Amon Ra exactly. is, a, is a great, great example of where it can work. Next up... A big, brave soldier. We're going to go to Dowie, who was very poorly when he recorded this. So that's why it's a little bit shorter. But I say he was a true hero to the cause. So let's hear Dowie's My Guy for 2023. Yo, it's your boy Dowie from Fields of Fantasy. My guy for the season is Jamari Gibbs. He's RB13, ADP of 36. Lions used heavy draft capital on him, picking him 12th overall. So the workload will be there for the investment. Lions run an uber-efficient offence and they score well in fantasy. He will get the touches on the ground, pass-catching work and goal-line work. With Jameson Williams suspended, he can make the claim to be their second target, but I'm on St. Brown. I think getting him around the third round makes him a steal and I believe he can be a top 10 running back. Well, I, I've missed Jamara Gibbs. Is he, is he someone that's passed me by? Uh, he's Jameer's brother. Oh, Jameer's <laughs> brother. Right, okay. I agree, though, with Dowie on this one. Jameer Gibbs hasn't had the same rub, obviously, understandably, as Bijan's had. But I do think in a year that Bijan wasn't there, I think Gibbs would have probably been going a little bit higher than he has because he'd have been having that newness and that rub that you get from being the new running back in the league. Have you seen the video of the Lions where they got Jameer Gibbs in the in their draft room? No. I've never seen a happier group of men. They were they were honestly beside themselves that they got him. So clearly he was so high on their board, Jameer Gibbs. He really is an elite pass catching back as well. So yeah, I think this is a real sneak pitch. Somebody as well who could be worth 
cheeky little lookout for being a breakout candidate that gets you the Offensive Rookie of the Year award as well. Mm. The Lions have invested heavily in him and the Lions are a team that have proven if they're all in on someone, they are all in on someone. So yeah, that's a really great shout out that from Dowie. Right, would you like to give us your My Guy for 2023, Ed? So, My Guy for 2023, we're going to Dallas, we are going to the Cowboys, and we're looking at Brandon Cooks, who's somebody that I picked up in a few leagues. He's not somebody that I've mentioned a lot over the off-season, but I've I've noticed that I've started to pick him up uh, where he drops to. Now, you could describe him as a bit of a journeyman as he moves to his fifth team, but... He's hit 1,000 yards for all of his previous four teams. He's been a top 20 wide receiver in PPR in six of the last eight seasons. And now I'd say he's moved to be a clear wide receiver too behind C.D. Lamb uh, in a Cowboys offense, which let's not forget has lost Dalton Schultz. Mm -hmm. It's lost Zeke as well. So he's going off the board as wide receiver 40, which I think is insane. I mean, he's going off the board a similar sort of time to the names that were mentioned earlier when Quentin Johnson's going off the board, like Zay Flowers, Kadarius, Tony, etc. Even when you take into account his age, he's still very rapid. And uh, the change of this offensive coordinator, who apparently is a bit more run-focused mm-hmm. than pass-focused. There was that bizarre talk, wasn't it, about slowing the game down. Yes. Let's get less points. Exactly. So, How the, much of that is uh, Jerry Jones and how much of that is genuine? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who, knows? who knows with Jerry Jones? So even when you take those things into account, I think he's going off way too low. I mean, I've drafted him in quite a few leagues, sometimes as my wide receiver too, sometimes as a flex option. But I think he has serious bounce-back potential after extricating himself from the dumpster fire that was last year's Texans offense. Uh, he moves into, you know, a pretty confident offense with a decent quarterback. And I expect Brandon Cooks to have a big season. So we're going to be focused on Brandon Cooks' bounce back ability then. Yes. Uh, oh, we've, have we created a word there? <laughs> Where's that, where that come from? Job Brandon Cooks, for as long as I have been doing fantasy, has always been a value. And I am also high on the Cowboys wide receiver too. But I'm not 100% sure that's going to be Cooks or Gallup. Gallup. That's true. Um, and I think I've ended up with more Gallup than Cooks, probably because in our drafts, you've ended up with more <laughs> Cooks than Gallup. True. So, yeah, I, I could easily see that I've gone for the wrong pairing of that. But I do think there is definite value in the, the Cowboys wide receiver too, isn't there? Speaking of Jerry Jones, speaking of the Cowboys, though, did you see uh, Jerry Jones talking about the acquisition of Trey Lance? I saw something with Jerry Jones where he was talking on the phone about, was that his, oh no, this was different, but that, this was another one where it was during the draft where he was speaking to his son who played with someone and, and basically said, what, what did you think about him? It was almost like he was making things up on the spot. Well, Dak had been asked about it and Dak said how um, it came as a surprise, but things coming as a surprise are no longer a surprise in Dallas. Really? Uh, and when asked about it, Jerry Jones said, uh, we knew what we need to get done, so we just got it done. It was top secret. We told Mike afterwards. Might be Mike McCarthy, the head coach of the Dallas wow. Cowboys. So yeah, I, I love Jerry Jones as a he's like a he's like a character he in really something is. like Ballers, yes. isn't he? He's he, amazing. He's a caricature. So last but not least, are we, you ready for a great yeah. big surprise? Let's move on to your. I, I now I racked my brains and I thought, who could Mark be high on in draft? I did nearly pivot. <laughs> To Miles Sanders. Pivot, don't you? I've said pivot a lot today. Pivot a lot, yeah. So pivot. Um, I'll stop saying pivot. So I did nearly pivot to 
Miles Sanders, I've also been very high on all off-season. But I've had to go for the player who I have in 13 of my 39 leagues. Wow. A player who just keeps falling to value. A player that was the QB9 last year, Mr. Daniel Jones. Wow. Are you surprised? I, I am. That video that I sent you the other day in the Giants locker room yes. where Jones is talking and in the background you hear someone go, oh my God, it's Daniel Jones. Yeah. I was like, it's a huge That was me. <laughs> so just to recap, and I've, I've just copied these notes from previous time I've spoken about him because I still don't feel they've been taken on board with where you've seen him dropping drafts. QB9 last year, only five interceptions, lowest of all quarterbacks with 15 plus start. The third most rushing touchdowns amongst all QBs he averaged 200 yards per game and one touchdown with a poor receiving group. The running we know he can do, but add Waller this season. We're adding some passing touchdowns into that as well. He's going off the board as quarterback 16. It genuinely makes no sense to me because I feel he's absolutely locked in as a top 12 QB. And I feel he's got the chance to finish in that 7-9 to nine range again. What am I missing? That means he's going as quarterback 16 or was, has been going as six, quarterback 16 and has finished the off-season ADP as quarterback 16. I don't know. Uh, as you know, and as the listeners know, Tom and I are very much of the same mindset. The reason we haven't got him in many leagues is because you've got him. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, I, I still don't understand the, the Danny Dimes conundrum. And if I had fewer drafts that were with you and Tom, I'd probably have him in much more leagues <laughs> than I have as well. However, if Danny Dimes has a crap season this year, I think we need to retire from the podcast game immediately because I've, I've certainly hung my hat on that definitely, definitely happening. Would you like to bring an old friend of a feature to the podcast, Ed? I think it's important that we do. That means it's time for Fantasy Props, Pestle versus Ed. So for those of you new to the show who weren't around for our Sunday Night Bet Club season last season, Fantasy Props is where Ed and I pitch ourselves against each other in a proposition bet for the week's fantasy football. But as this is the preseason show, we are going for a season-long prop and I think we're three points for this one, so we've got a potential tiebreaker for the end of the season. You would need, based on last year, you'd need a lot more than three points. But for new listeners, I wasn't quite convinced in you last quite, season. It was very <laughs> convincing. But yeah, trickling three points is I there for that, a season like, long. That could be massive at the end of the year, yeah. So this week's fancy prop is a draft. So we ran a mock draft on Sleepaway. Both got to pick our place. As is tradition on the show, whoever pitches the prop the other person gets the first choice. I pitched the prop to Ed, so Ed got to choose where he started the draft from. We went for a 10-team league just to make sure we had reasonably stacked rosters to make it a bit more fun to draft. And we went for one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end. So we went for an actual proper starting lineup, essentially. We've gone for committee backs and three wide receiver sets. The kicker doesn't exist, and neither does the bench. So injuries, tough luck. So if we pick someone who goes out week one, we are going to be hoping the other person has somebody out. So you picked the 1.2. That, that was mind games. I just thought, will you take the 1.1? 1. 1? Uh, nope. No. no. Um, because wherever you had gone, I was going to pick my place based on who I wanted to pick in the first round, which is who I did pick in the first round. So you took the 102 and team one took Jamar Chase. So you went for? 
JJ dropped to me and I was surprised, Obviously. so I took him, yeah. Eckler and McCaffrey off the board. Next, so I chose the 105 and I chose the 105 because I thought that would be the latest spot I was comfortable guaranteeing myself, Mr. Travis Kelsey. And as we're going for no bench and we're not changing our roster, I thought that's I wanted a bit of positional advantage by guaranteeing myself good numbers every week there. Usually tight end, I like to kind of play around stream tight ends a bit. That wasn't going to work in this format, obviously. When it came back around to me, I was happy that Josh Jacobs was there to be my RB1. Someone who I think is still, at this stage, anyone drafting late, going at a good value now he's got his contract in him. And then you went running back as well. You went for? Tony Pollard, yeah. I was very happy with JJ and I thought, well, I can stock up on my running backs now. So I went back to back running back. I wasn't happy with the value I was getting at wide receiver, so I went Tony Pollard, who I think is going to be huge in Dallas this season, and I was delighted to get Ramondre Stevenson as my RB2. I was worried that with it being 10-team that Josh Allen might make his way back to and you might go there. Uh, he said he didn't, so he went Stevenson and left Hurts on the board as well, who would have been in consideration for me, but he went straight after. I debated Hurts, I did. I thought the difference with only 10 teams and 7 spots, I thought I could still get a quarterback I'm pretty happy with. And I think we both had our eye on the same quarterback for much of the draft as well. Uh, but up to me, Garrett Wilson was still on the board at three of which I was extremely happy with. And then I was even happier that a player I've mentioned earlier on, and I thought was a great value at this point, even with the smaller lineup, uh, was Keenan Allen in the 406. So I was quite happy with that. You then went for your second wide receiver. Yeah, time to stock up my, and finish my wide receiver drafting. So Debo was there. I was a little bit dubious of Debo. I do worry about him playing all the games, um, bearing in mind that if he's out, he's out in this. Um, so I took Debo. And then I was really happy as my third wide receiver to have DJ Moore. So that was me done, just left with a tight end and a quarterback to go. I debated picking up who you took next yep. as my quarterback. And I knew if I didn't take him, you would. But that's the gamble I've taken. Um, and I only took this player because I knew who I'd be able to get in the last round. If not, because I knew he would drop and you ended up taking him. But I went for the 505. Lamar Jackson, baby! <laughs> who, as we said before, regular listeners to our off-season show will know, I feel has got a genuine chance of being the quarterback one overall this season. There are players perhaps better placed for that. and Players will be safer bets for that but I was happy to take that gamble there. And on the way back to me, a player that I still think goes at a value all time, similar to Brandon Cooks, but a higher calibre player, uh, with my third wide receiver, I went for Tyler Lockett. And then I was left well, to choose between tight end and quarterback. I knew that the quarterback wouldn't go because the, the imaginary person <laughs> in 101 had already drafted. So I took my tight end, Pat Freemuth, who I was very happy to get as my tight end. And then mainly just just so I've got him, and you, know, you can guess which quarterback I, knew I went you for. Would. I, I, I had the option of maybe Trevor Lawrence or someone like that, but I went with Danny Dimes. I think I then went with my riskiest pick for seven pick. There were perhaps some players with perhaps more consistent numbers that could come through, but I've taken the gamble with my second running back on Alexander Matteson. I think he's got the potential to have massive numbers this season. We've said before you follow opportunities, and he's going to get the opportunities. I could have gone for a safer committee back. But yeah, that's why I went for my second one. So, Team Ed is Daniel Jones, Jefferson, Debo Samuel, DJ Moore, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, and Pat Frymuth. And Team Pestle is Lamar Jackson, Alexander Matteson, Josh Jacobs, Garrett Wilson, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, and Travis Kelsey. So what we will do then is we're going to save that. We will 
put a note to look back at the end of the season for our tiebreaker if needed, or for me to assert my dominance with three more points. And then we'll just add up the full end of season totals. That is it. Highest score wins. Nice little one to start off with. I think so. And I think we'll put that out on the socials, won't we? Who do you think is going to win? Well, there we go. A little impromptu poll of the week. <laughs> Moving on then. Would you like to warm things up, Ed? I don't know what's coming next, but uh, always. Preseason Red Hot Takes. So we didn't want to go with just hot takes. We wanted red hot takes. So we've gone for something that we see a path to happening, but general consensus will probably be it ain't going to happen. So would you like to go first or second, Ed? Would you like me to go first? No, I'd like to go first. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> go ahead, <laughs> Thank you. So I am going for something that I've said numerous times the off-season, and this is one of the reasons I stuck with Mr. Danny Dimes for my my guy for the season. That's because I'm going to bring him in here, Mr. Miles Sanders. Let me just go through his numbers before I give you my take, and regular listeners here will know what I'm going to say anyway. Last season, RB15, fifth most rushing yards of all running backs, eighth most rushing touchdowns of all running backs, equal fifth for the most 20-plus yard rushes, 4.9 yards per attempt, second amongst all players with 240-plus attempts, all with Jalen Hurts stealing runs and stealing those red zone carries. Panthers are set up to rush, and this season I genuinely feel Miles Sanders will dominate. So that is why I've said on many previous shows, and will now, not double down, probably quadruple down, mm. Miles Sanders this season will be a top five Running back, Ed, you're a bottle. He won't be. Okay. <laughs> he, he, uh, we've had this conversation before. He, he could well be a top 10, but there is no chance of him being a top five running back. So he's going off the board as running back 22 this. That is cra- That's in Danny Dimes' level of craziness. Last season, you told me I was wrong about someone I was all in on who went off the board as the running back 22 for his ADP and finished the season... As the running back one in standard scoring, Miles Sanders is having the Josh Jacobs season. Okay, well, no, you can honestly, Mark, you can believe what you want. Ooh, I believe last year that Josh Jacobs would be a top ten running back, and he was the top running back. True. true. I'm just going to narrow it down, make myself look a little bit clever. <laughs> would you like to go for yours? Well, I will do it, and I think mine is probably a red hot take. It's somebody who I've avoided like the plague in drafts. They've probably been going. What would you say? In even redraft dynasty top five, they've been going. To redraft just too high and start up dynasty about right. Yeah. So, and that is my red hot take is that Bijan Robinson will not be a top 10 running back this season. <laughs> so, I'm sure there's a few, quite a few people that disagree with me. Let's talk about where he's landed. He, he's, he's landed in a great spot, let's be honest. He comes into a Falcons offense with a second year quarterback who I, and I don't expect uh, the Falcons to be playoff relevant. I think they'll be there or thereabouts ish. But I think ultimately, when it comes down to the shakeup, they won't be involved. He's going to benefit from a great O line. They've got a decent O line there in in Atlanta, but few running backs put up the numbers needed to be top ten. And there are a lot of running backs I think will finish ahead of him. I think I could. You can list off the likes of CMC, Eckler, Chubb, and Saquon. Obviously, yeah. I think it's obvious they're going to um, finish ahead of him. But then, how are Henry, Jacobs, Pollard, Etienne, Mixon? 
and your boyfriend Sanders not going to finish <laughs> above him. I don't see how they don't finish above him, uh, despite the workload that he's going to have. You've also got to throw into the mix Tyler Algier, who I think has been kind of ignored and I think will yeah. be utilised there as well. He's a running back one, but I think there's so many running back ones that are clear of him. And yeah, my red hot take is that he won't be a top 10 running back this season. I mean, that's, that's very, 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 very hot. Is it? Okay. Malcolm, what do you think? <laughs> Man, that's hot. Too hot. I mean, Malcolm's in agreement. Well, Malcolm agrees it's hot. Okay. But I'm going to repeat what we've said earlier in the season. I don't think that is going to happen, but he's never taken a single snap in the NFL yet. The universe exists where Bijan isn't what we're all hoping he's going to be from an NFL point of view, a fancy point of view an entertainment-watching athlete to be an amazing point of view, it is possible. I'll say one name. Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, yes. Well, also, he's running back. Injuries yeah, potentially in there yeah, as well. Awesome, yeah. um, I, I do think he will be top 10, but I don't think that is quite as hot as some people will think. I wonder which... But I, think the, I think your take is probably the, the more... Controversial? Controversial. The hotter. The hotter. The hot, hot, oh, hotter. Sanders' top, top five is very hot, Mark. It is very, very hot. <laughs> Would you like to finish off then with a condensed hour long format into five minutes? Oh, well, we now move on to something that we're really, really good at. Would you like to lose some money? Sunday Night Bet Club. So, Sunday Night Bet Club is back in its shorter format. What we're going to do each week, we're going to finish with a bet. We'll probably rotate through our features as well. So those who are fans of the Minions before Ed's big bet, they will be back at some point. But this week, we are just going to go for a couple of season-long bets. I will start up with, I've made two MVP bets. Last year, about this time, I put a bet on Jalen Hurts being the MVP. And I felt that was quite a bold take at the time. And we got closer and closer and closer. And his injury ruined it. But I've made two bets for MVP. I've gone for Lamar Jackson for a wishful thinking. I want to wish it into existence or bet it into existence. Now that I put the bet on, not going to happen. <laughs> um, I've also, though, and I did this a couple of weeks ago because I thought it was really good value, and that's Trevor Lawrence for MVP. I got him at odds of 19.00. For new people to the show, we tend to go for decimal odds betting because it's easier to kind of work out. I don't really understand fractional betting. That's one of the reasons as well. So if you put a pound on, you get £19 back. That's down to 15 now. So that is a shrinking odds. And we see time and time again, the MVP not coming from nowhere, but being a player poised to make the leap that then does make the leap. So two, I think, reasonable shouts there. I agree. I think T-Law is in a team that are almost nailed on for the playoffs in their division. Um, and Lamar, you know, I hope he has an absolutely awful season. But, 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 but yeah, I, I think that's, that, you know, that's a decent outside bet as well. Mine is my first bet is similar, and I had a similar bet last year. But Mark Andrews ruined it because he had such a <laughs> yes, such an injury prone season, and that is Travis Kelsey to get the most receptions in the regular season. So there's odds of eleven point zero there, and he's, he's he, so he's third favorite, I think. Last year he finished third overall with 110 receptions, and that was behind JJ Justin Jefferson, who got 128, and he was just behind Tyreek Hill, who got 119. Yes, Jefferson is probably on the verge of a 2,000-yard season, and I'm sure we'll scupper this bet, which is why <laughs> I think he was 5.0 or something like that. I think Chase was up there as well. But I think Kelsey at 11.0 is a decent outside bet. He's going to get so much work in Kansas City, isn't he? And he, yeah. he's, he's Mahomes' number one go-to guy 
across the field. So uh, I think I'm confident he'll be up there. Whether he'll get the most, I don't know. Do you think he's Super Bowl bound again? I hope not. <laughs> I do too, because my next bet is for the Super Bowl to be contested between the Bills and the Vikings. So last year I went Bills and Eagles once again about this time, and I think it was odds of around 35 40, and was looking good throughout the season. Bills Vikings, it was the odds that swayed me. Do I think this is the, the obvious option? No, not at all. But the Bills are in a position they can make that run. If James Cook has a really good season, they've, they've got it all to work with. The Vikings, we've said before, Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback. He is not elite for fantasy, he's not elite in the league, but he is very good. He's got Jefferson, he's now got Addison there as well. If Matteson hits, they've got it all going as well. Odds of 81.00 were just a little bit too good for me to ignore. So that's what I've gone for my bet for the Super Bowl finalists. Yeah, I'd say Vikings offence, fine, but their defence, I think that, that yep. would stop them getting anywhere. And that's why the odds are so long. Yeah, definitely. And then the Bills, uh, you know, they, they've just not quite got there. They've been talked up the last two seasons. And I think maybe the DeMar Hamlin last season affected them as they were absolutely trounced by the Cincinnati Bengals in the playoffs. <laughs> so uh, maybe that affected them. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, these outside bets. And, and that links to mine as well, because I've gone for a bit of an outside bet to win the Super Bowl. So I've gone to win rather than mm -hmm. contest. And it's that is, the Ravens. It's not, no. It's the Ravens. <laughs> it's the Chargers, actually. Ooh. I think they're very good value to win the Super Bowl at 26.0. They've got class in every position and are strong on both sides of the ball. Surely they can't have as much bad luck with injuries this season as they did last season because I think they were unlucky with injuries. Yeah, they, they had a lot like of players out. I think they'll challenge the Chiefs actually in the AFC West this season. Um, I think, um, I mean, the, the, the same was said last season, but you know, Herbert is it is an elite quarterback and I think he's due a huge season. So, a bit of an outside bet, maybe a, you know, it would have been better in the hot take section. But, but yeah, I think the charges might be worth a couple of pounds. I just feel that at some point, the Chiefs' lack of a bona fide star-wide receiver will catch it. It doesn't seem to happen. Um, and say Kelsey, we spoke earlier. No, he, he, is, that, he is the cheat code, isn't he? And I think you, you're right. You know, you expect them. You've got to start looking at the coach, I suppose. Is that, is that yeah. the difference maker in Kansas City? Why they can bridge that gap and maybe not quite have the ability of some of the other teams, but... Yeah, I think you've got to look at Andy Reid, haven't you? To finish things off then, the hottest of takes, the biggest of bets, the most naive of trying to bet things into existence, my final bet was a cross-sport bet. Mm. The Ravens to win the Super Bowl. Oh, God. And yeah. Man United to win the Premiership. <laughs> the Ravens have got a chance, but United <laughs> really hell. I put this bet on before the Premier League season kicked off and got odds of 228.00. <laughs> I checked last night. They've gone up to 400. Oh, my um, God. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm no longer optimistic about that. That's but I will be over the moon because it will mean that the Ravens have had a, a really have good season. Have you put that bet on? Yes. I've How got a pound. A pound, pound. Was, this yeah. is... Look behind the looking glass now. We spoke about all the bets we put in on last season. At no point did I ever put more than a quid on any bet, uh, which is lucky because if I had, we'd have lost you'd, you'd, hundreds you'd of minus pounds. Minus a lot of pounds. So we shall see how that works out. I, it's not going to happen, and I'll be very, very sad. But if it does, you'll be very happy. I'll be, I'll, I'll be two hundred twenty-eight pounds happy. That will be gone by morning if that happens. <laughs>
Thank you very much to everybody for joining us on our brand new show. We hope you have enjoyed your time with us. We have more new features to deliver to you next week, though, when we have our look back at week one. And it's time for football. It's time for NFL. It's time for Malcolm to take us home. You have been listening to Pestle and Ed of TH Fantasy Football. For more content, follow TH underscore fantasy underscore NFL on Instagram and Twitter.